Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. chat about the Padres depth chart post trade deadline here pretty pretty amazing stuff actually it, it is pretty amazing stuff I mean they have and it's well what's really crazy is that it's not just set for right now I mean these are a lot of younger guys that they are that they're leaning on Yes, and they locked people up for for long contracts I mean the the one that we're the one that we're really talking about is the Juan Soto contract obviously yeah it's almost like he's worth a whole lot more than anyone else but i mean hey grabbing brandon drury was nice um josh Hader is good is soda worth more than tatis yeah I, his contract is going to be more from a baseball perspective who's more valuable i think tatis is going to sell more jerseys i agree with that i think monetary wise probably they make more off tatis than they do off soto i would bet tatis will sell more jerseys more tickets soto will uh win more games I think that's well. He's he's definitely going to play more games. Over under war next year. Oh, over under war next year. Um, I mean, I got to assume it's going to be Soto because I think Tatis is phenomenal when he's on the field and he spends a lot of time off the field. Yeah, yep. So we agree. But I mean, you look down the rest of this lineup, and you know, it's funny because now we're not even talking about Manny Machado. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's it was like their him? massive signing from a couple of years ago and then that was when everybody thought the Padres were going to make the leap and then they were just putting all these other pieces together uh fantasy check-in Aaron Judge 10 weeks whatever but on the pitching side we have somebody who has dethroned Shane McClanahan and actually Shane McClanahan dropped to number three behind Justin Verlander num- week one at number one and Sandy Alcantara who's just been sniffing around the whole time yeah I mean, I guess the question now to me, so sure, Verlander's here. He dethroned Shane McClanahan, who had two bad outings this week. Uh, I guess my question is now, does anyone else get into the top three, or are we done? I mean, do we see, here from here to the end of the season, do we see anyone else in the top three sniffing at number one besides Verlander, McClanahan, and Alcantara? Could Corbin Burns or Dylan Cease get in there? I don't, I don't think Cease... Uh, Burns maybe if the Brewers turn on the turn on the Jets. Well, just I mean, if you switched the number of wins that Verlander had with Burns, Burns would be a, higher on the. Uh, uh, yes, but I'm not. Yes, I I agree. But wins are actually a thing still. I I know, but that's that's the thing. Could he regress to the mean and just all of a sudden, you know, in the second half, not even second half, the last third, could he all of a sudden amass? half of his wins could get to 16 wins here yeah but that's why i'm saying that milwaukee would need to turn on the afterburners in order to make that happen and they just got rid of hater so <laughs> yeah so you know they're they're not they're not gunning for the playoffs here all right yeah no i think that there's a shot that 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 burns could get in there there's a outside shot that sees could but it's doubtful it's doubtful he's a top five pitcher he's not a top one pitcher yeah but i think manoa falling back to who he is yeah, I agree. And the, yeah, then the question is, is does McClanahan fall further out? 
All right, TGFBI, I regressed a little bit. Not too bad, 363. I'm I'm okay with that hovering around 350 if you look at the course of the whole week. But you, 287. There we go, up a little teeny teeny. 287. Up a little bit, but on on the right side of 300. So we're we're getting there. We're still uh we're still working on our march towards 250. Be the left side of 200, uh, 300. Yeah, I don't know. It depends on what uh how how do we work these how do we work these number lines? I don't know. Well, I think you'd read it left to right, zero to whatever. I don't know because I want the best person to be on the right side. <laughs> okay. Let's do a quick EPL round here. I'm feeling good about. Let's just go back to the well. You know, we got hit before, but. Our relegation teams, Fulham, Bournemouth, and Nottingham Forest, um, I think we should just pick against them here. I'm looking at Wolves over Fulham. Man City over Bournemouth is really boring, but whatever. And uh, West Ham over Nottingham Forest? I kind of like those. How about Brighton? Brighton really just I was does looking, not like I was us. looking at Brighton. Brighton at home against Newcastle. Well, I don't know, because neither of us is too hot on them, but we're also not hot on Newcastle. So, yeah. Uh, there's some interesting stuff here. I mean, I, I'm pick, I'm thinking Villa's a stay away still. You don't like Chelsea, otherwise I might have suggested that. Arsenal, Leicester, I mean... Yeah, that's a, yeah, the roll of die right, right there. It's a dangerous one. Well, the real roll of die is Man U, Brentford. Yeah. Like, I I don't know. There's no, there's no chance. All three outcomes to me are equally likely mm-hmm. in that scenario. Which which usually would mean that you, that's why then you'd go for the draw, right? It's... That would be the smart thing. It could be could be the smart one here. Right. If you think that one, it's but... if you think it's 33 and um nuclear option on the last one percent, then you <laughs> then you have to go you have to go with the draw, right? Because the odds are typically you gotta go like... draw. best odds for sure. Let's get into a, a topic here that we're both interested in. And this is actually gonna be a series. We're not gonna guarantee how many exactly they're going to be or how frequently we'll do them, but we want to talk about stats one oh one. And this section is going to be the overview, and we're also going to start to get into a little bit of the descriptive statistics background. And I also put a tag here that says that this is actually frequentist stats 101. We're going to try and give ourselves a, an opening to some future time, do some sort of Bayesian stats 101 if we feel like we need to, feel like we need to go that route. Oh, we want to dive into a little bit, go a level down in there. I think that's I think that's right. In case we in case we want, I mean, so you know, frequentist versus Bayesian, two big schools of statistical thought. We should b- both have uses. We should see which way we want to go. All right, but let's let's start off the frequentist here, um, the more traditional of the of the disciplines. And the first question is, what is statistics? And Investopedia has an answer, but I assign this one to you. <laughs> <laughs> Investopedia has the answer. The only website that has the information that we needed when we were on a bus that had uh, limited Wi-Fi. For the record, it's the first result if you Google what is statistics. Very, very nice. All right, so you want me to say what is what is statistics? Yeah. Uh, am I reading off of this website? <laughs> Go for it. Uh, well, what this uh, Investpedia says is statistics is a branch of applied mathematics and involves a collection, description, analysis, and inference of conclusions from quantitative data. The mathematical theories behind statistics rely heavily on differential and integral calculus, linear algebra, and probability theory. It's not an easy word for me. Thanks for giving it to me. I think we're I think we're ideally not going to touch any of the uh, mathematical theories in in any sort of you know that whole second sentence. Yeah, let's 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 not because we will <laughs> trust the statisticians, which there's also a definition here on this web website mm-hmm. for. Um, 
that they have done the math and the math works because quite frankly we've seen it um statistics i think when i think of statistics i think of the one of the great um example problems is the average temperature of a human being Mm. right Mm. if you if you randomly sample people well, not everyone's temperature is going to be 98.6, which is what we were told when we were children was the average temperature of the human body. But if you collect a true random sample over enough uh, over a large enough population, you will end up seeing those slot down in different ways from 97.9 up to 99.1, assuming that we've controlled for uh, infection, uh, <laughs> infections of any kind. We will find that... The distribution creates what's called a normal curve. We're going to start going into these. And you're able to see that, well, the middle of that um, grouping of numbers ends up being a 98.6. I think that there's actually some articles about how that temperature has changed, but oh well. But I think it's a really interesting piece of like, well, how do you, when you have so many numbers, how are you able to distill information from those numbers? And I see you've, you've noted me here with um, um, how does it relate to data science? So data science mm. is a discipline to try to apply statistics and statistical methods to larger, medium, and larger uh, data problems so that you can actually solve some real-world questions with, um, with these mathematical <laughs> theories that, that we're talking about. Yeah, I think it's interesting because most schools, like universities have moved away from having a, they have a statistics department, but the degree they offer is data science. Mm-hmm. So the idea for me is like, I think data science now in the parlance is generally sort of applied statistics. So I, I kind of want the listeners to think of when we say stats 101 to not think that we're just doing some dry esoteric right. study here. We're actually, we're actually headed towards the next thing, which is, you know, why are we doing statistics slash data science here? And for us, it's all about this problem solving and decision making in the fantasy baseball right. context. It doesn't have to be only fantasy baseball. You gave a great temperature example. Yep. Oh yeah, there's but so many we... other examples. No, and I think that's that's really yeah. important. And, and what we said is, so we're we're not covering the theories, and we're not covering the we're, we're not going to be putting up the equations with Greek letters in it that someone put, <laughs> you know, put together on a chalkboard two hundred years ago, or put together on a whiteboard eighty years. Year, 18 years ago, I guess, would probably be more correct, you know, to try to describe a data set. This data science really is, I have a really good foundation of over a couple hundreds of years of information. And I now have Mm -hmm. in my pocket, on a bus, I have a computer that can actually do the math that was the real hard part of the statistical um, analyses when student was uh, analyzing Guinness. That's right. And I think, you know, for us, it's more important. There's just two real branches here. There's descriptive statistics, which is characterizing all of the data that we have. And that's so what Eric sort of laid out with the, the temperature, human temperature distribution. Then there's also the, the inferential statistics side, which is going to be the topic of some of our later sessions. And that would be when you said controlling for fever. Actually, I would I would turn that around and say, OK, we know what the distribution looks like. I took a really high, I took a reading of a hundred. Is that weird? And like, you only know if that's weird because you know the descriptive stats and you can infer, you can learn something that says, okay, your, your temperature is, is outside of what we expect. So something's not right here. True. I guess if we have a large enough sample, 
of random sample, truly random sample of human beings that you don't have to control for fever. If you are taking a smaller sample from a limited population, then you do have, you will have to start to control for some of those those potential variables. I, I mean, you're, you're teasing basically all of the things that we want to talk about, right? I mean, at some point in, in this, we're going to talk about sample selection, yeah. which, is, which is just, which is super important in fantasy baseball, as well as every other statistical application that you can think yeah, of. This, this guy had a good week. He must always have good weeks. <laughs> right, exactly. And there's another thing, with, you know, this idea of what I, what I really want to get across is, uh, for us is this idea of causal reasoning and looking for, um, looking not only at the statistics, but also a little bit of the, on the predictive side, why we're making these predictions and having a, a deeper understanding of, um, of exactly what's, what ingredients are going into this so that we're not just doing some blind linear extrapolation oh, and right. uh, thinking that thinking that because, um, I don't know, Luke Voigt hit a home run in his first at-bat, that he's going to hit a home run in every single at-bat. We're good to go, right? right? What was the, there's an example that the uh, uh, the department, like which is like, I think it was like, <sighs> number of number of pirates to the like global temperature. And it, there, there is a, a strong correlation. <laughs> yes. Between those two things, but it's spurious correlation. Do are those yes. things connected? No, they they are not. But I mean, could Ted Cruz put that on a graph in in the <laughs> Senate and then make a statement about it? Sure, he probably could. That's the thing, and that's and ideally, we're gonna try and stay away from our all sorts of spurious correlations, and we're gonna we're gonna get to that in uh, in later sessions. Yeah. Let's keep going with more of this this overview here, and this question of what are the goals of the sessions, and I I think you've had a pretty good picture of this so i was wondering if you you can you can kick us off here with your goals for these yeah well we've been we've been kicking this around for a little while i think it's some, some of it has made into the pod us talking about this pie in the sky idea of doing a, a stats 101 um series and we kept on being as we as we talked about it it kept on being a little bit harder to pin down and, and we finally i think have have a really good idea of what the scope is that we want to do we'll have eight maybe sessions i think but it might end up being seven sessions probably i'm not supposed to say that because we'll 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 change it is but we'll start today we're starting with um this descriptive statistics start this overview i'm trying to understand trying to understand the data really um small numbers large samples ratios then we're going to do an introduction Onto the inferential statistics side of this, briefly get into linear modeling, which is really the bread and butter for um, inferential statistics. Then we're going to dive. Um, we'll dive deeper, Gaussian fitting, and then do some advanced topics like PCA, principal component analysis, ANN, artificial neural nets, um, some of those more advanced uh, algorithms that are that are used in data science and statistics. And then I think we'll, we'll sort of wrap the inferential statistic piece of it by talking a little bit more about um, correlations, covariances, stochasticity. So that's analyzing, that's model validation, model calibration, mm, yep. analyzing the models that we're putting together, the analyses that we're putting. And then we'll try to, I think the general idea is that as this happens, There'll be the emergent behavior is that other topics will come up and try to probably put those all into into their own um, session, and then 
we'll wrap up with a talk about data collection and data engineering because it ends up being this is all really awesome, but it forgets that uh, two thirds of the work is in actually putting <laughs> together the data set that is used for the analysis. Well, any, anyone who's listened to this pod knows that, right? Yeah. Because we're really good at wrangling data, but to the point where that tends to be the only thing that we've gotten done. Yeah, it's always because... this pie in the sky <laughs> idea, and then it's like, oh my word, creating the data set ends up taking so much more time than the but, playing with the those <laughs> those algorithms that are so much fun. So to me, this this framework is is everything that we've basically skipped in the past, and it doesn't mean that we can't go on discursive side journeys in the middle but they won't be tagged in my opinion they wouldn't be tagged as part of these sessions these sessions are meant to be the um the fundamentals and give us something that we that we know that we have got down pat and we can go back to and refer to Absolutely. at some point i think another goal for this uh for me is developing the understanding that gives us a sense of which tests we should apply when mm -hmm. so one of the things that we sort of danced around a little bit earlier you know you said yeah sure somebody wrote this down on a chalkboard i don't know probably a thousand years ago two thousand years ago in some of these <laughs> we have a huge wealth of statistical tools at mm -hmm. our fingertips but what happens typically and we see this all the time is that people either a apply the same few statistical tests over and over or b don't necessarily apply the tests correctly and I don't think that either of these has to be good or bad. I'm not saying newer is always better in the sense of statistical tests. Yeah. Like there there will always, always, always be a reason to take the mean right. <laughs> and look at the mean, even if the mean breaks down. Uh, but the, the second one is applying tests correctly. That's a thing that we, that we really need to um, be sure that we know when we're applying it correctly. And that helps us pick out what test we want to what test we want to do. So if you go back to the mean example, you know, you want to know that that the underlying distribution of the human temperature is actually that Gaussian curve and not some sort of other distribution, mm -hmm. other analytic distribution that just doesn't have a well-defined mean, like a uniform distribution between like what if what if the distribution of temperatures in humans was evenly distributed between 90 and 100? It wouldn't be helpful to it wouldn't be that helpful to take a mean. Yeah. It wouldn't or what if there's a bimodal distribution yeah. and then you're and then oh. the, mean, the mean is actually in between two different is actually weird temperature for either side to have absolutely yeah yeah that's actually even even better case and so that'd i think that'd be amazing like anyone oh, in the northern wow. hemisphere has wow oh that's so... average 98.6 and then anyone Ooh. in the southern hemisphere has a 96.9 bad so i guess for me the one of the goals is to develop to not only describe all of the tests, but also really make sure that as we're going through these and as people are listening to this, that they have a sense of when and what test to apply. That's absolutely true. And I think that was the hardest, that's the hardest piece in going through a Stats 101 class is usually yeah. the way a Stats 101 class goes. You have a lecture and then you have some sort of practicum and then the practicum goes through the steps so you're going like you and I were at this the forefront of the computer being able to do really awesome things easily with open source software or or even the paid for software and then you'd have like you'd have the practicum then you'd have the like the problem set how many times i've been in a lab where you get to the problem set and the person next to you is like wait wait what are we doing it's like the, <laughs> the exact same thing that we just did the example on is what you're doing is to to be able to do the these 
the, the to answer the question that you've been giving the prompt. But it gets a little. So I feel like I'm pretty good in that setting. It's like I can infer <laughs> what I'm supposed to use here for the, for solving this problem. But when given the question out in the wild, yep. It's, it's a little bit harder to, to, to think through the actual tool. Sometimes I can sort of see what the data is and, and then start to, that's why you kind of need the descriptive statistics. You start to need to look at the data, start to get a little sense of what it is and being like, okay, you know what? I've done this yep. before. I've done that. I know this. I know how this works. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So let's get into the descriptive statistics. This is the, the other thing that I wanted that I hoped we would get through today. Um, and the question is why do dis descriptive statistics and we we've sort of laid this out already but let's go back to it again and i think of it in the fundamental sense of i have an observation is this observation is this number any good and we think about this in fantasy baseball all the time and, and again fantasy baseball is sort of the rosetta stone that we're going to use to understand statistics but if i tell you if i tell you somebody hit 10 home runs last year is that number good well, like how do we how do we establish whether that number is any good? <laughs> series of numbers, right? And the series of numbers might be one single observation, or it might be multiple yes. observations, right? Yes, I think so. Descriptive statistics to me is about providing uh, about providing context. Yeah. So exactly. you you have a set of numbers, you know, and in the in big data sense, there's too many numbers for you to even possibly ever look at them. Right. Right, and so we're mm -hmm. mo for the most part, we're talking about statistics in the big data application. It's different than saying I had, you know, oh, I took three observations. Which one of these is the best? We're not, we're not in that in that regime. No, no, uh, we're, it's we're most of the time we're talking about something where it's it's a the data set is big enough that the data is hiding, and part of the descriptive <laughs> statistics is be able to get that hidden data up to the surface. You don't because you can get so distracted by looking at the first five records you can get distracted by looking at the biggest record but then yep. once you're able to say okay well i have a data set it has a thousand observations the highest number is 114 the lowest number is one i can give you what the mean is i can give you what the median is i can give you what the mode is i give you here i'll, here, I'll give it to you that the median is probably 66 the mode is some random number starting with a, with in in the forties, and then the average ends up being like what 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 is the average going to be? So fifties. That could be runs. I could be talking to you about runs mm -hmm. right now. Runs of any MLB player. Yeah, I was just, I was thinking that that would actually be kind of a kind of an interesting test, which is I give you summary statistics of some summary statistics, meaning let's say mean, median, mode. Um, and the maybe the range, uh, which I with I which I think of as sort of the next level. Right. Yes. Highest lowest um, would be range. Yes. Would you Would you know Would you know for sure what statistic we were looking at? No, but it would I mean, be I a guess, pretty funny test if you gave me if give me any like a bunch of different. I guess even okay stats. fantasy baseball sense. Can we differentiate between runs and RBIs? <laughs> would we be able to with the descriptive statistics? Maybe you. Well, you would think in theory no, right? Because in theory, every RBI has a run. <laughs> True. So the it, yes, yeah. So the mean. Wow. This, well, I but mean, they're going to be really, different. They're going to be different. We should think about this. Yeah, actually, I mean that tells. So it'll tell you something about. That'll tell you something about the underlying distributions if you find that the mean between these two is different. Mm -hmm. Between runs and RBIs is different. Oh, we should use that as a test case. All right, let's build it. <laughs> Almost like we could have had like 
we did we did an hour of prep almost like we could have done 10 hours of prep for this oh easily easily could have done 10 hours of prep no this. but that's I think, that's exactly it is it just looking at those two is interesting i mean we already know this with home runs and stolen bases those aren't you know those aren't sure. reliant on each other. there's no covariance there uh but they're similar in the the accrual over the course of a year yeah, I think so. I'm gonna pull. I'll pull together the summary stats for our next session, and we'll kind of we'll kind of start there. Is there anything else on mean, median, mode that you want to say? And then I was gonna say a couple words about range in more depth. No, but it's just it's those are the pillar for descriptive statistics, right? They're the the, yes. the first the ones that you learn well before you know that you're learning any sort of statistics, right? Is you learn how to make the the mean. I think. Well, the the mean also goes by the name of you know yeah. the expectation value, right? The what? <laughs> The expectation value, yeah. like when people talk about expectation values, oftentimes they're talking about the mean, and that means, in the in the temperature, human temperature context, I expect that if I observe any random person, it's most likely to be ninety eight point six. Yeah, yeah, because it's the mean. Um, okay, range also variance is a word that we haven't said yet, and I like to think about percentiles of data sets for descriptive percentiles. The descriptive yes, sense. That's a really key one. I think you know we often. For me, I often want to look at non-mean values to get a sense of the distribution. And this kind of bleeds into the visualization piece that I treated sort of separately. But, I mean, you learn a lot just from looking at a histogram, mm-hmm. right? A histogram I mean, you, is we, descriptive statistics. Yeah, that's... It, it is. I mean, it's. I guess, in a, I guess you could boil it down to uh, fairly fine-grained percentiles. Well, why don't you say what a histogram is? Because I th- maybe we're, we're jumping through it a little too much. So a histogram is you take a series of observations and you bin them onto some more coarse grid that gives you a the number at any close to any one of these grid points. So I have a continuous distribution between 0 and 100, but I might make a bin every integer value and ask how many are at are how many round to that integer value mm-hmm. effectively. And that'll give you a histogram. You could take even larger bins and say, like, how many fell between 90 and 100 or how many fell between 80 and 100. And that will give you some summary statistic. And depending upon how wide or how wide or how narrow you make these bins, that'll give you a more coarse view at the expense of noise, which we'll talk about in the future, I think, or at the expense of sample size, which is something we're going to have to talk about later. And the the art of making a good histogram is uh, the subject of a huge amount of statistical literature. <laughs> uh, so I my personal recommendation would be to just uh, use you know NumPy's histogram function. <laughs> NumPy's yeah histogram function is pretty is pretty good, pretty robust. Let them build let let NumPy use its heuristics on you. Um, There's something about like, I mean you must I know that I made histograms by hand way way back before sure. I ever yeah no because because you can do it you do it on graph paper right yep. they give you they give you observations between some range and say okay how many fell between 90 and 100 how many fell between 80 yep. and 100 and you put an x there and then you x above it and then you end up with a bar chart right that <laughs> that if you if we took a painstaking amount of time we would have sort of a nice looking histogram and that's what people did that's what in the 1800s that's what that's what you did you absolutely you drew them out by hand absolutely and that's why again this is where we're getting to this point where descriptive statistics was so huge when data when data sets started to be developed and started to be big when like like some of the examples that i think about are like um economic figures in britain in like the Mm. 
Queen Victoria days. It's like, well, we need mm-hmm. to have a way to sort of describe what's going on. We don't know. That's a lot of money that's being talked about. There's a lot of goods. But why don't we have mm-hmm. more money then? And then you need to put those charts together to start to be like, okay, well, here's expenses per bushel of corn, etc. You know, it's very, that's why we're here. And histograms are a really important way of starting to get uh, starting to get that, that information about the set. I think of histograms as the single most powerful summary statistic. And we look at histograms all the time in this pod. <laughs> yeah. And we should probably look at them even more. Because there's a, a lot of times you start getting into a data set and you, yep. start, you start playing around with it. And then you're seeing sort of unexpected behavior. And then you put it into a histogram. You're like, well, that explains it. Because there is that bimodal <laughs> distribution. Or there is an asymmetric right. distribution that's that has a really big skew. And then all of a sudden you need to, you need to approach the problem. All right. Anything else that we want to say before we, we wrap this? Well, I think that's our very basic look at summary statistics and a good motivator about what we wanted, what we're hoping to do here. I think my opinion is that we will not spend a lot of time discussing summary statistics in detail because we know what we're interested in is the inferential statistics, but we'll kind of keep coming back to descriptive statistics. Um, as we as we need to yeah it'll be covered it will will be mentioned throughout (laughs) all right that about brings us to the review session max freed fried um don't know actually (laughs) uh i guess i could probably could have looked that up all right max fried uh max freed i'm gonna go with freed we're gonna go with freed and apologies apologies if it's not all right he is age 28 which is really interesting round one number seven pick overall in 2012 so good 10 years ago and he's really he's kind of coming into his own here so in 2022 this year he's started 22 games he's 10 and 4 he's got a 260 era and a 1.08 whip 138.1 innings so far and in that 127 strikeouts and he's got a whole lot of red in his percentile rankings on savant yeah the only thing he doesn't have a lot of red on is fastball spin, which correlates, as we already know, with whip with whiff percentage. And whiff percentage, whiff percentage. K's. So that's why he's yeah. he's under a cane inning for an right. elite you pitcher. See, yep, for an elite pitcher, that's usually not a good sign. <laughs> for a guy who's throwing in the ninetieth, uh, or he's got. Oh, I guess his is what's his. I mean his his pitch distribution is pretty good. His fastball is averaging ninety four. And that's I mean, that's fine. Sixtieth percentile. He's over the over the hump here. I like that he's we gotta, that we're doing him right after we're doing Jack Flaherty because these are these are two guys that like you look at you look at them. They're big boys. <laughs> Max Fried is a little bit lighter apparently than um, allegedly. Flaherty yeah. is a little more solid, but you know, over six. They're six four. They're big. They pitch. They have deliveries, like standard deliveries that when we were mm-hmm. told this is what a pitcher is supposed to do, this is what we always wanted to be able to pitch like. If we ever, you know, sit on a mound, you're like thinking, yourself, how did Max Fried look? <laughs> is that basically what you're, what you're doing? Like, try to look cool. Try to look like you know what you're doing. Try to look like Max Fried. And he's got he's got a great arsenal um, this year. He's, he's got a classic, classic, classic arsenal. arsenal. Fastball, slider, curve, changeup. I mean... If you were to try and build a pitcher in a lab, it would look kind of like this with maybe a slight, with maybe more slightly, slightly more spin on his pitches. Yeah, but there's the thing: theirs would take him from being an elite number one to making him like a decent, good number two, high end number two. You really, 
I was gonna you, you gotta at least call him a high end number two here. I mean, look, his his numbers from last year are also quite good. I mean, there's the thing that I like about him is that it's kind of clear that this this is the level that he can pitch at. So unlike Flaherty, who we just talked about, you have a much better sense, in my opinion, of what you're getting when you have Max Fried. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 2020, shortened season, 1.09 whip. 2021, 1.09 whip. 2022, 1.08 whip. I mean, that's pretty freaking consistent. His ERA is bouncing around a little bit, but only a touch over three in in 28 games started last year. I mean... I don't know how much. What else do you want? And he, I think he did the he did the classic pitcher move, which was in 2019. He remember he 2019 he had he was a little bit higher ERA and mm-hmm. higher WHIP and um and I think he traded some strikeouts for control and um, ERA and WHIP wise, it's really help been helpful and you know helping him get get some good wind totals in in there for a good team though this is a problem with a max freed kind of guy if atlanta is below 500 he's not that interesting and atlanta struggled out of the gates and i think that i i i got at least one person who was saying like do i give up a max freed it's like no um no but it's and the team is doing good now he's rolling they're rolling everything everything's going well he's accruing wins he's staying long enough in the games Pitchers like that are interest me too. You know, it's like team dependent. It's like on the Kansas City Roy- on the Kansas City Royals, Max Scherzer is gonna be good. <laughs> right? Yeah. On the Kansas but, City Royals, Max Fried is not gonna be good. But the th- thing that I like talking about Max Fried is that from a fantasy baseball perspective, if you could pick all of these guys in the middle rounds, oh yeah, you would have an amazing team. Yeah, you right? so you need, we need to be able to identify the Max Frieds going forward. Because he's he's a guy who's not he's not that he's not going to be picked that high because people aren't excited about him because it's highly unlikely that he has another gear <laughs> you know this is this is probably it for him and that, but this is the stuff where fantasy teams are made yeah well I don't know I mean Freed was no, picked number 60, 61 this year consensus ranking was he actually picked there is that his ADP his ADP was sixty what. Mm-hmm. His ADP was 60. Who are the pitchers above and below him? Uh, Kevin Gosman is one pitcher ahead of him. Um, six higher in ADP, one higher in the consensus rankings. And then the next pitcher was Joe Musgrove. That see, Okay, I that seems kind of So you have to take, to a, you take back your statement. I do take back my statement. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm frankly shocked that he, that he got picked at 60. I mean, that, that suggests to me that people do think he has another gear. I think people do think that he has another gear, and he does But doesn't. I look at this, and there's I don't see any evidence for another gear. No. Okay, never mind. I'm never going to get Max Freed because I'm not going to pay 60. Because he's not returning top, exactly top 60 value, is he? No. What is he right now? He's player number 36 right now, allegedly. Okay, good for him. But right, when you think about it in the context of, so he was, well, we get 22. We've skipped four. So he was number fifteen. Yeah, he's number fifteen, but he's in this range. Alcantara was number twelve. Awesome. Then we go with Robbie Ray, Freddie Peralta, Max Fried, Kevin Gosman, Logan Webb, Joe Musgrove, Jose Barrios, and Charlie Martin. Well, of of all those guys, and you want to be picking Fried? Well, Joe Musgrove, and Joe Musgrove, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, this, you have this, this, but this is what your theory was oh, actually man. correct. If you can pick these like 
in that number, he's a number two pitcher, right? If he's number fifteen off mm-hmm. the board, he's he's a high end. He's high end number two. So in that sort of theory, I guess we're, we're sort of correct. But if you're making your TGFBI team depend on him as your ace, no, no, no. You obviously can't. I mean, look at that strikeout rate. <laughs> like, no, that's that that strikeout rate's a death knell in TGFBI. No, in a TGFBI like format, Justin Verlander was number twenty two. So this is an intro. It's. I think it's. I think you're right, though. I mean, the whole point is like, can you correctly pick these guys? And and you're saying that this year you probably you couldn't have gotten them at 61. No, but but I also wouldn't have picked any of those guys in that range. Like I wouldn't have picked. I wouldn't have picked Joe Musgrove there. Those are the guys that linger. They they linger in some leagues where it's like, wow, this guy got Robbie Ray six rounds after he was. It's supposed to be picked off the board, and then he, and then he's Robbie Ray, right? And then he does the Robbie Ray stuff. There's every <laughs> once in a while in that like twelve to twenty five range, there is a guy like a Justin Verlander who you're like, he was sitting there an extra two rounds. I picked him up. I look like a fucking genius. Yes. You know, yeah. I think I still have I still have uh, Garrett Cole in our home league because yeah. he, he was that guy. He was that guy in the twelve yep. to twenty five range that no one wanted to touch. I guess, I mean, so my point still stands. I was just wrong about the calibration. So, right, because you want to pick Max Freed of that group of guys. Mm-hmm. You want you want to be able to, you still want to be able to identify the Max Freeds. I just thought that he was going to be four rounds later than that. Yeah. Like slotted in, slotted in with those guys four rounds after that. Like you're telling me I have to pick Max Freed at the end of round five in this. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> if, if I definitely want to get him. Uh, no. But if he was picked no. number 100, you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. But I guess I guess what people are thinking, okay, I'm I'm imagining I'm getting in people's heads. They're imagining 2021 Max Fried ratio stats with 2019 Max Fried's K rate. That's what <laughs> you're hoping for. You're hoping okay, re- you figured it out. You've got the control down. Yeah. You're looking good. You're on a good team. Now let's increase that K rate a little bit, which is what the Zach Wheeler effect. Zach, that's what Zach Wheeler was able sure. to do. Sure, sure. But I I just don't. Now, with the benefit of hindsight of the 2022 season, it seems unlikely that that's going to happen. It does. It seems unlikely, but not impossible that at some point he he gets that K rate. Not impossible, but I you know the Braves are pretty savvy. The Braves are a savvy team in the sense that they're not going to go out there and ask him to just maximize home runs to all other expenses. No, I mean they want to win. Yeah, exactly. They want to win. <laughs> So they're going to tell him to do what's best to win. And if it's like, you know, go ahead and put the balls in play because we actually have a decent fielding team, then that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, he's, he does he does have quite a number of hits, right? He lets up like a lot of hits. Yeah. Well, it's hits, not walks, right? Yeah. It's mostly mostly hits. His walk rate's pretty good. Like his, like his average walk to strikeout rate is one to five almost. And I mean, that's, that's pretty good. He's not one of the most popular maxes in um, fan graphs. <laughs> well, I guess I I don't think I don't think I'm gonna get him um, in the future if people think that there's a hidden gear there because um, I don't think there's a hidden gear there. But I do think that if I was if I was looking to short my team at a trade deadline, then I wanted somebody who is gonna be safe. Yeah, eat some innings, not probably not hurt me. Max Fried's a good target. He's a good target. Yeah. Safe bet. All right, who are we doing next week? Let's talk about Tristan McKenzie. Tristan. Oh, you don't want to do Spencer Strider. Okay. Tristan McKenzie. Fine. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. 
Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!